five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Houston, and I'm joined by Julian McDonald. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this uh, super special. Yeah, we will. We, we've got a, a big special. We are looking, we've got a WandaVision special, we've got a Marvel special, we're looking at all things MCU related, and we're doing so with a special guest. Welcome, Josh Webb of the Marvel Report and USA Today, who's a bit of an expert on everything Marvel. Hello, Josh. Hey, it is an absolute pleasure to be here today, and I can't wait to get right to it, guys. Lovely stuff. That's what we like to hear. So, you've uh, you've been a Marvel fan for for a long time, I guess. You know, you're a big big comic book guy. You're, you're big into the MCU and stuff. You've kind of always been been to Marvel. Yeah, you know, I growing up, <clears throat> I. I I, I was really into a couple things. I was into playing hockey, I was into reading comics, and I was into pogs. <laughs> um, it just, that was my life as a kid, and, and I grew up reading the X-Men, um, and, and uh, one of the first video games that I purchased for myself way back when uh, was the LJN Nintendo Punisher game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where the big bad at the end was, of course, Jigsaw. It was like a, it was, a, it was a side-scrolling first-person shooter kind of back in mm-hmm. the day. The way that they did those things. Um, so I've always had a love and a passion for Marvel, and it's just only grown, I think, as as we're starting to see stuff that we grew up with now dominate pop culture. Yeah, and it's it's sort of surreal, isn't it? You know, all of the this is the stuff we were made fun of, beat up for <laughs> as kids. I mean, it's the same with video games. You know, you think video games is kind of seen as this nerdy thing in the eighties, and and you know, I'm obviously grew up an awful lot later than you. You know, I'm, I'm only only twenty. So when I was uh, going through uh, my school and stuff, everybody uh, always on video games and stuff. You know, that's, that's another one the thing. And and for me as well, ever since you know the, the first Iron Man film came out when I was seven years old or whatever. So for me, the kind of it's, it's, I've always been part of, of kind of modern films and stuff. And as I've grown up into films and doing film podcasts, you know, it's all dominated by uh, Marvel and, and, and DC. So for, you know, when that's been, you know, literally, you know, something to ridicule, it must be, it must be great for, for people that kind of grew up in those, those, uh, you know, reading, reading Chris Claremont or whatever, that, that, that that's kind of the, the modern now, that's, that's the Star Wars of today. You know, it is. And it's just it's interesting to see the dynamics at play. It's like the more nerdy the story, the more people seem to be involved. Like if if I would have told if I would have been able to tell myself as a child that a movie about a space alien seeking six rocks to wipe out half of all life would be the all-time best-selling movie like i would <laughs> yeah. have believed it mm-hmm. and yet that's where we're at with this stuff that's it's like it's surreal on the one hand i really really enjoy seeing this stuff on the other hand it's it's kind of i don't want to say weird because i try to be the person that's accessible like if anybody ever wants to learn anything about comics or where where they, you know, what what source material they should read to better understand the stuff they're watching in movies. Like, I always try to be that guy who's accessible because I think there are plenty of gatekeepers out there, and I don't want to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I try to I try to be positive about it, but it's definitely 
surreal to see stuff that I grew up with that was considered. I mean, we're talking this stuff in Dungeons and Dragons were mentioned (laughs) in the same sentence when I was a kid. If you read comics, like that's how nerdy it was. But now Mm. it's just you see I, I can't I can't walk around without, you know, being able to throw a stick at somebody wearing something of Marvel. And just even 20 years ago, that to me would just be unimaginable. But it's so cool to see. It's so, so awesome to look in my closet and just see literally like 50 shirts with stuff on there, like Sentinels and so on and so forth. Mm. That Like this is stuff you wanted to wear as a kid, but like nobody made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was just—I yeah. was gonna say you kind of touched on it there as well, but I mean, even with like the release of Iron Man back in what two thousand and eight, did you ever expect mm-hmm. the MCU would become such a cultural phenomenon has been as big as it's become? I mean, it's kind of you know everyone's heard of it of it now. You know, I don't think it really dawned on me that this was going to become what it became until about Winter Soldier, because I don't even think that you know that the second avengers movie like i started i started to get nervous around the second avengers movie because at the time it was you know it's hit or miss depending on who you ask depending on what they they value in a film but i was worried that maybe the mcu was was losing some steam but but you know as as the second phase started to close up and then we opened into the third phase where we're getting stuff like civil war and, and, and so on and so forth. Like that's when I realized that this stuff isn't here. It, 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 there's not going to be a stop of it. Like I, I remember those articles where it's like, it's time for the superhero phase to go. And I'm like, guys, that is never going to happen. Do you remember those articles about like mid 2012, 2013 where like, people were begging for an end of the superhero genre. And I'm like, it's only going to get, because I think what, what finally made these films is that they stopped trying to be superhero films, which I think the first phase really was like it really well and truly was. Then once we got to the second phase and the third phase, we were telling space operas, political thrillers, you know, uh, mm. so d- just various different genres. And now, like with the upcoming Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which sort of ties into the conversation we're going to have today, you have Sam Raimi, a noted horror director, who's going to be taking over that. And we're going to see, you know, Marvel's take of a of kind of a, a horror film. And I think once Marvel started leaning into doing different types of films instead of just doing superhero films that's when the larger public bought in and were like, oh, hell yes. Because every other movie was a different adventure. It wasn't just another superhero movie. You got a different movie fix. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much for so many, you say, about the political thrillers, and you could expand on that and say, you know, Ant-Man's a heist film, or perhaps the uh, influence that and and the, the messages that were surrounded black panther's release and and its nominations at the oscars and such uh, but yeah there's an awful lot uh, to talk about there and packed in there and, and i agree a lot and and of course uh, i'm very excited uh, as you say about sam raimi uh, coming back to superheroes with with, uh, with his horror supposedly horror uh, doctor strange 2 which hopefully goes a bit better than the last horror superhero films uh, the new mutants did um but 
I, I think we so I'm going to, to vaguely outline what we're going to be doing on the podcast here before we uh, we go off into to we forget what we're going to here for. Uh, we're going to not be doing kind of the typical uh, podcast that we usually do. Uh, we're going to be focusing uh, more on just uh, expansive conversations and, and go off into these tangents. Um, but the only things we will be talking about is we much like usual. We will be talking about what we've watched uh, and consumed recently, but with a Marvel look. So we're looking at what Marvel stuff we've watched or read uh, in in the last few weeks um, and then we'll be going on to the the main part of the video uh, the episode sorry is uh one division so looking at episode nine what we thought of the finale whether it uh, stood up to the hype and and whether it was it, uh wrapped up all the uh, all the plot points well and a kind of overview look of uh, how we saw the series uh, as as uh, in, a, in a whole disney Plus's first marvel series of course and kind of competing against uh, the likes of the Mandalorian when it comes to uh, to Disney Plus content, um, and then what we do after that, nobody knows. You know, we'll, we'll uh, we you know we might talk about Spider Man Three, we might talk about Falcon with Soldier, we might talk about anything, we might even talk about the Justice League. We really don't know, but we're going to be looking at talking about superheroes today, of course, um, and a, and obviously a, a focus on Marvel. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll start off with with uh, what we've we've watched recently uh, and read recently. Uh, and I'll start with you, Joe, because I don't think you've watched anything Marvel. Obviously, you've watched a lot of films and stuff, but but nothing Marvel. Just just have you? Uh, nothing too like nothing actually explicitly like not much of films. I was actually going to sit down and finally get around to watching uh, Age of Ultron, which I've still not seen. Um, and I I came up to do it today, and then I sat down and looked at Letterbox and realised it was like two hours and thirty minutes, and I was like, okay, <laughs> did not notice that long. It's kind of surprising actually when you think about it. I was looking at. Uh, looking at the MCU lists of films on Letterboxd, and the shortest one is an hour and 50 minutes, and it's uh, Thor The Dark World. So that's, you know, when that's the shortest film. You and know, the, and the that one's, one's arguably one of the longest ones, depending on your tolerance <laughs> for bad movies. Like, I will, I will say that on the whole, Thor The Dark World wasn't awful, just when compared to the rest. I think it wasted a perfectly good actor in Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Like, mm, Malekith was also so heavily muted. Like, you know, we, we talked a bit about comics while we were BSing before we came on today. And, you know, we mentioned Jason Aaron and just like War of the Realms was one of the best events I've ever read. Like, I absolutely loved that event. I even loved the tie-ins for that event. And, and you know, it just shows how powerful Malekith can be. And instead, we got this, like, elvish-speaking wuss that runs from fights. And you're just like, what is this? Like, this guy's a master magician and a killer. Yeah. But I'm going to avoid that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, you've not seen all that, Joe, and I wouldn't recommend you to, to rush to watch it either because yeah, it's it's definitely one of the worst. It's uh, interesting you say that actually, Josh, because uh, I was having a conversation <laughs> with my friends the other day about who, who doesn't really know the comics but likes the MCU, and I was saying about uh, Malekith, and I was saying you've got a real problem here because you've got one of the best events that Marvel could make right now. You know, one of the best if you're kind of looking for another end game level uh, film or you want another big big event, one of the things that I'd go to. Uh, especially seeing, you know, it only came out a couple of years ago, would be War of the Realms. Uh, but you've got a big, big problem there, which is that you've already done the bad guy and you've done him so badly that you'd either have to try and ask Christopher Eccleston to come back 
and I really don't think he would unless you give him a big enough paycheck. He, you know, he does seem to be quite uh, not a big fan of his role. I think he almost comes to be a bit ashamed of it when he talks about it in interviews. Um, so I don't know if you get him back or you have to swap it to someone else and, and that kind of tones the story down. So I think they do, if they do want to do all the Rams, which they really should get around to at some point, it's one, you know, uh, I agree, one of the best storylines they've, they've gone through, especially in the recent years. Uh, they've got a big issue when they've come to Malchus. I'll tell you what I have watched uh, that's Marvel related over the past couple of days. Uh, I, I watched... Um, Someone posted the portal scene from Endgame on Twitter, and I was just watching that, laughing it up. <laughs> I also rewatched today when I was bored, thinking about this episode. I was like, two hours before the episode, I was like getting super hyped. Started watching uh, a bunch of the really cool scenes from from Infinity War, the likes of Thor mm. arriving in Wakanda and the Wakanda battle scenes, and mm. the uh, the scenes with Thanos and on Titan and so on. Some uh, some really good scenes in Infinity War as well. So I was, I was watching a couple of scenes just to kind of hype me up for this episode. Interesting stuff. Okay, uh, I'll get mine out of the way. Uh, what Marvel stuff I watched recently. Okay, so other than... Well, I talked about the other week about how I watched rewatch Age of Ultron. I guess I could say that. Um, which, again, I think is an underrated Marvel film as they go. I think Age of Ultron... I think maybe he's actually got better because of the implications of the Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, in, in the future. Uh, but, you know, I always thought even at the time that, that it was not as bad as, as people made it out to be. And obviously my controversial opinion being that it's better than the original Avengers. Um, but other than that, uh, I watched... Uh, I'll tell you something that I watched today. I watched Marvel's Behind the Mask, which was a documentary about um i mean it doesn't explicitly say it but i wish the, i think it probably should have it, it's uh kind of a look at kind of uh bigotry and kind of uh social issues and how they're tackled in comics and it kind of went into depth about uh the role that black panther had as one of the first black superheroes kind of luke cage in in, in sense of black exploitation uh went into some sexism and talks about uh how they tried to make ms marvel originally uh as a kind of feminist superhero and, and maybe the role of of some other women in, in comics and such and and you know the way they used to do yellow facing comics and and how that got uh kind of tried on its head and also threw in a fair bit of shade at dc's part they kind of a few times where they were kind of saying, well, DC weren't doing black superheroes to the seventies, but we were, and DC wouldn't hire black comic artists and we would, which, you know, in, you know, it's justifiable because what they're saying is true and, and it deserves to be called out. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I would be interested if they could perhaps expand that into maybe more, uh, kind of documentary along those lines about specific issues. It's hard to sum up a lot. Anti-Semitism, racism, sexism, uh, kind of. There would the... be a good limited series. Yeah, covering yeah, that. Do you not think? Yeah, yeah, especially because they got the Marvel Six One Six kind of go on kind of ongoing series thing about right. in, uh, looking at uh, individual situations in comics. If, if they could kind of do the same thing with behind the mask and look at individual issues, how yeah, they're treated exactly. in comics, that the would be racism, great. Racism, sexism, mm. you know, because it's wild to me. I've, I've I've had this argument with with people on Twitter, like. This is especially around the time that Captain Marvel came out. And, and of course, people were saying, oh, the only reason Marvel is releasing this is, you know, because they want to be social justice warriors. And I'm like, have you read a comic lately? <laughs> yeah. Like, you do know Stan Lee used to publish his own social justice thoughts in the middle of the comic, right? It mm -hmm, was like a mm -hmm. big little pullout. It's like Stan's thoughts. And this has been going on since since you know marvel was anything like comics are literally social justice warriors that's that's where we yeah. that's i mean a lot of these a lot of these guys you know they they were jews coming out of world war ii so you know 
a lot of what they wrote was dealing with that persecution, especially with the X-Men. And I just, Mm -hmm. I think that there's so much there that if you wanted to go back and maybe do a historical look back at, at how these different events like the Holocaust and, 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 you know, the black Panther party and so on and so forth, how they, uh, have impacted the world or what impacts comics had on them. Like I would watch the hell out of that series. Yeah. There's I mean, also nothing the, annoys uh, me more. No, I was Sorry, just like, there's also the series um, with, I forgot what it's called now. The one where it's kind of spotlighting on the different heroes as well. They kind of did them, did a wonder and division one in the league oh, to one division. Yeah. Legends. yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm not seeing those two yet, but I'm looking forward to them expanding that and, and getting around to seeing those first two. Cause uh I think it's really interesting to sort of get an in-depth look at some of the specific characters as well as the, the themes and issues as well. Yeah, I wish they kind of went more in-depth. It's just kind of a clip show. I wish they had kind of a bit more talk about it. But um, kind of expanding uh, back on, on the point uh, we just made with Josh, in that it does, it's an issue, definitely is a massive issue uh, within comics about the this kind of ongoing battle between people that, you know, constantly going on about, oh, it's gone, you know, go work, go broke, and comics too political these days and such, where, you know, it just, you know... You, to those kind of people, you need to ask, you know, Marvel were not a success uh, until, you know, Captain America was their first big success, you know, obviously Namor and some human touch before, but what's on the cover of Captain America number one? Could you have anything more political than punching a leader of a country in the face? That That is literally like the most innately political thing ever. It's literally saying like, this is a political figure and we, when we hate him. Like that couldn't be more political. And that's the start of it all. That's 1940. Um, looking, you know, to say that the, the comics have decided to go, uh, you know, <laughs> woke in the last few years to fit an agenda would be a ridiculous insult to the years of pioneering they've tried, as you say, either, you know, with direct things like Captain America or or with metaphors uh, like, like the X-Men, of course. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been something that's ongoing throughout all of, of comic history and to pretend uh, that it's only a com- current thing and, and you know, is, is them trying to uh, virtue signal or whatever, whatever right-wing buzzword you want to throw up there. You know, that's an insult to every single genre, every single decade and every single comic producer that, that has really tried to push these progressive narratives for the last 70, 80 years. I just think about what you had mentioned if you were talking about the Black Panther and just sort of the the many different impacts that that character has had. I mean, mm. even just even on our modern world, never mind being the first black superhero or, you know, it I wasn't Christopher Priest the first black writer to actually touch that character too to write him. I want to um, say you, you know more than me. I feel like Christopher Priest was the first black writer to touch Black Panther and and he talked about so many different things through T'Challa and now you look at, you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates is currently writing the character and I'll just say I'm not a big fan of the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. It it doesn't do anything for me. Mm. But Ta-Nehisi Coates can absolutely write the hell out of some comics. His current work on Captain America is probably some of my favorite stuff. And as for what I've watched from Marvel lately, um, obviously I watched the hell out of WandaVision, mm-hmm. and I went back and I was watching some of the the uh, little features that they have on Disney+, Plus, talking about Samana Anat, who was, you know, uh, one of 
one of the the, the Muslims behind uh, Kamala Khan and just the the different paths that she trekked to become a you know a Muslim editor at um, at, at Marvel, and it's just. I keep thinking about like what what comes to my mind is that how many characters were created out of the need to address something political or social, you know, it's just oh, like, it, it, and, and how many, and how many of these characters were created as stand-ins for various different despots and, and things of that nature, you know, it's like, the world of comics is nothing but an entire examination of our global social, political, you know, socioeconomic as well uh, structure. And I just I find it weird that people are are trying to suddenly say that comics have have just recently decided to go woke. And it's just like, dude. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get to your history first. Yeah, it's it's interesting because in that that behind the mask I said uh, I saw and you know we've got these things that everyone everyone obviously knows the X Men is is a as a race uh, metaphor and such. But then they were talking about and, and some some um, black comic book creators I can't remember if they're artists or, or writers a few different and they're saying that I think two different people described the Thing and the Hulk as their two favorite black superheroes because whilst they're obviously not dark skinned the way that they're treated the way that they are instantly um, hated for uh, their appearance and every, every time the thing walks into the room he's instantly people have opinions about that they talk about how that relates to the black experience growing up in america um so you know i, I think you know rather whilst a lot of the metaphors are explicit and obvious um there are an awful lot of political messages or, or uh, social messages that perhaps we don't know it's not at first uh, example and, and maybe you'd have to to uh, to talk to the actual writers uh, about whether they intended all of those um but i think there's a lot that relates to a wider society that uh, perhaps you know we wouldn't think of at first glance um so we we spent 20 minutes and we haven't talked about one vision yet but I'll quickly, <laughs> quickly before I'll fit in this before we get to WandaVision I just want to just you know make sure kind of we get get some a bit of our, our Marvel out and I'm just going to kind of quick fire just going to ask you all two questions I want to answer myself I'll get Jail to answer it I'll get you just to answer it this is obviously going to be so hard I think for all of us but if you could name one or a very small number of favourite superheroes and a favourite MCU film. I'll start with you, JL. If you want to give me a favourite superhero or favourite few superheroes and a favourite Marvel film. Oh, uh, cool. This is... I actually prepared these questions and I still very... I'm still struggling to actually decide myself. <laughs> I think my favourite film overall, it's between Infinity War and Endgame. Um, you know, some people might have issues with them, but I think as, uh, as big cultural events and uh, moments in cinema I think is you know you're hard pressed to find a franchise or even like a studio which has you know two massive experiences like uh, those two films I think Infinity War just about edges it for me um, but it's very, very those two are probably my favourite films in terms of characters um, that's a very tough one I think I'd probably go with oh who would I go with as a favourite character it's a tough mm. one you know I think I'd go for Howard the Duck. Yeah, Howard the Duck. No, I think I'd go for if you're going off MCU because like I haven't as much as like I haven't read very basically any comics, uh, any Marvel comics. I know you two are a lot more brushed up on your comic knowledge than I am. Um, but in terms of the MCU and that side of things, I'd probably go for Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and uh, and 
now Scarlet Witch is in, in, in great commas. Uh, well, yeah, actually, it's, it's interesting. We're kind of we're talking about these perspectives on, on Marvel, uh, and we've kind of got three levels here when it comes to like comic books because you've got UJL who don't don't you don't read comic books you you're not into into comics and you've got me who is a beginner and a bit of an amateur but i still read comics i do uh but i'm no expert and um, we've got josh here that obviously knows an awful lot about comics and has been reading them uh for as you know as long as i've been alive so that was three levels um I assume that, <laughs> that that also will lead to me asking the, your favourite superhero. It might be a bit of a, a, a harder question for you, Josh, but have you got anyone, any favourite superhero, any favourite Marvel film? Could you give us those questions? Or so, is that too tough? so I, no, I do. I do. Um, my fa- my personal favourite, and I, I re- Garth Ennis is probably the first person to touch on this and talked about it and says, look, dude, this guy is not a hero, but he is billed as such. So uh, I will say Frank Castle. He has always been my favorite. I think that some of the most rich, raw, and just visceral content that Marvel has ever put out has been through Frank Castle and the Max series Mm. with uh, Steve Dillon and Garth Ennis. Like, if you want to read some truly powerful work pick up there's there's like seven volumes and they're only about like 20 bucks some of them are even cheaper but it's the punisher max series and that's that's the line of marvel that doesn't edit stuff out like they they use some very colorful language in max Mm. and as you can imagine the punisher fits into that world quite nicely um but i think just my favorite stories have all all involved frank castle and I just love Johnny Bernthal having played him in, in the Netflix series too. I mean, holy hell did he, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure the perfect Punisher was out there, but then John Bernthal delivered. And I was like, I can't see anyone else. I just, I can't like you. <laughs> I, I've seen four different Punishers in my lifetime, you know, <laughs> but Personally, John Bernthal is by far and away the best. Some bad. Yeah. Yeah. John John Travolta by far the best. I will say I I will say that my favorite uh, MCU film is either Ant Man or uh, Infinity War. Ant Man, that's an interesting one. That's uh, that, yeah, that's, that's a very I'll interesting just, one. Uh, I was just gonna say. I, as well. I had long thought that before he was cast, that Paul Rudd would make a perfect Ant Man. Yeah, just like yeah. I'm sure a lot of people thought Benedict Cumberbatch would be a great Doctor Strange before he was cast. There's just something about those two characters in those roles where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That, that's <laughs> if only Cumberbatch could do the accent. He tries so hard, though. <laughs> he does, yeah, yeah. My like favorite a... is when you can obviously tell, you yeah. know. It's like uh, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen in the Trial of Chicago Seven. We did that earlier, and he does the, he does Abby Hoffman in his his American accent. You just think, well, good on him for giving it a go. Yeah, I you know, and it's just like I don't know how good I would be if if I had to do a British accent for you know two hours and twenty minutes of a film. Like truthfully, mm. like yeah, I probably wouldn't do any better than he's doing in English. You know, and he's doing That's fine. True. I mean, yeah. he's not yeah, bad. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's it's definitely passable. 
you yeah. know, but yeah. uh, it's funny because this is a little bit of a deviation, but, but, but one of the things that I had been, been reading prior to this was, and you brought up Chris, Chris, Chris Claremont, but mm-hmm. God loves man kills is like <laughs> one of the most political and potent comics I'd ever seen. In yeah. fact, I think it was the first time that 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 Marvel had dropped the N word uh, in relation to mutants um, and and drawing that correlation when mm. Kitty was talking uh, and she dropped the N word and said, you know, suppose he'd called you this, you know, yeah, would you feel yeah. still still feel the same way? And I'm not sure the argument necessarily works for me, but I get what they were going for back in the day. And I honestly think it lands. It gives you, it was, it's, I don't know that you can ever thoughtfully use the N word, but I feel like art is sort of a different thing. Um, if you're, you have to, in some instances, if you're addressing these issues, I think for, for the writers, it's, it's a tool for them. Um, but I just think on the whole, like there's just so many things that came out of like early eighties Marvel that, now I I you know you mentioned great events and and I can't help but think like once we get the mutants into the MCU what would be the first mutant based event that you would want to see? Ah, oh, it's a tough one because the best mutant event that you can go for has been tried twice and it failed both times. Failed miserably. Failed miserably. See, the first ever episode of, of the Now Shane podcast, uh, which came out a, few, a year before Jordan joined, uh, we did a three episode little sort of thought thing with, with, with a couple of different people. And the first episode is X-Men Dark Phoenix. And I actually, and I'll have to admit, I'm probably one of that film's biggest fans. I actually really do like Dark Phoenix, but I would understand I, I am in the minority didn't there. I hate New Mutants. You mentioned New Mutants earlier. I actually mm-hmm. thought it was an okay film. I, I wasn't I, necessarily I okay. I wasn't necessarily okay with the re- the way they recast. What was it uh, C- Celia or whatever her name oh, was? Yeah, yeah. She was originally a hero, uh, and they kind of made her a dickhole in that. But whatever. On the whole, I didn't think it was that. I, I think Anna Taylor was it. Anna Taylor Joy is mm-hmm. that her name? Yeah, mm-hmm. she kills it as as magic. I mean, you talk about the perfect cast. If they, uh, yeah, I'll be very yeah. disappointed if they don't. At least try and bring her into the MCU because I feel I feel like now they have the Fox rights and uh, she's a, as you mentioned very perfectly cast. So um, I'm kind of hoping you know there's, there's been talk of mutants in the MCU and uh, you know recently we've had the rumors of the mutants a working title yeah. for you know yeah. the first mu- X Men oh the first mutants project in in the MCU. I'll be uh, happy to see her return. Uh, and and kind of uh, before I move on to to give my superior Marvel film, I'll just say. Um, Assuming that we're not talking about the uh, the stuff that's already been done, so Dark Phoenix and, and Days of Future Past, uh, I guess the answer to your question of what I'd want the mutants to do, I think the answer is probably the the best is probably that kind of House of X stuff. Um, like that that's probably the, where where it will go. I imagine um, you know there's a lot of good stuff there. God loves man kills is obviously one that would you know I think a lot of people want as well. But I think the, the House of X stuff um, and 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 House of M as well uh, kind of kind of or kind of where it's going to be uh, going towards um, in powers of X and stuff. I have a question actually. I, yeah, ask, go ahead. Just for Josh actually, because I know you're a big Thanos fan. Um, you know that's kind of no secret based on your Twitter profile. Um, yeah. And obviously, we've seen the, 
you know the Infinity Saga and, and the Thanos sort of arc, you know, done and, and done and dusted now in the MCU. Do you think maybe they did it too early, too soon? Because uh, and I you know I've been talking about X Men, but just generally in terms of Marvel, no, sort of story I, I thought lines. it was perfect. I think I think there's only so many things that you can do to go big if they were going to do this this infinity saga or saga let's just call it a saga because if we're if we're not doing infinity then it would have to be something else but you know um i there's only so many projects you can do and and one of them they didn't have the rights to in doctor doom you know when, Mm -hmm. when they started this whole venture so you you take away one of the biggest pieces that you could possibly play Oh, and wait, the other big piece they also didn't own the rights to. Galactus. Now you're sort Galactus, of left yeah. with you're you're sort of left with the absurd Mephisto and stuff like that, which you do have access to, or you can go with Infinity Gauntlet, which is, you know, a a, a tried and true everyone knows Thanos and, and I I think it was done right, honestly. Like yeah. I, <laughs> The, the fact that Thanos is now part of the the modern vernacular to me is is a success in and of itself. Like, yeah, well, I mean, Josh Brolin killed the character too. What worked so well with it is that they played to what Thanos is in the comics. He's not he's not a brash psychotic individual. He's he's very diligent. He do, he thinks. He he discusses. He's He's not above having a philosophical conversation in the middle of a, of a war. He's not above playing for the other side if he thinks it'll help him. You know, like, there's there's only so many of those types of big bads in the comic that you can run with. And I think they did a fantastic job of it. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't have cast him any better. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of this kind of comes back to a, a question I was going to save maybe for later in the podcast. But now on the topic, I, I kind of feel like it's a, a very suitable time to ask you it. I mean, in terms of future storylines now, we've you know they've they've acquired the Fox rights for for X Men and so on. But in terms of like big story arcs and and so on, we've had the the Infinity stuff. And do you what like are you worried maybe that the that there's like not that many sort of major big events, especially in comparison to Thanos, who you know was this massive threat. I mean, they've got Galactus, of course, as you mentioned, but post Galactus, if you know if and when they do that storyline. Are you, are you worried that they're going to run out of sort of big, big enough threats to keep the audience engaged and 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 uh, you know wanting to stick around? I I I think there's always going to be some drop off as people are like, oh, okay, I went along for that ride, but I don't know, you know, if I'm going to keep going on on this ride because some people only went and saw it because everyone else was doing it. Some people only went because you know their significant other was a big fan. So I think there's going to be some drop-off. But now that they literally own the rights to just about everything except for Spider-Man, I'm not so much worried about... Like, we get Secret Invasion coming up, you know? Like, yeah. that already, to me, is going to be an exciting event. And, and, and we have no idea what Marvel has planned for the mutants or the, fa- or the first family. You know, but mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to hear rumblings of, of production and, and getting going on that. It, it, you know, uh, John Watts is, you know, he's going to be directing the Fantastic. Now, personally, I think it should have gone to Peyton Reed, but I don't think John Watts is, is awful by any sense of the imagination. 
No, I've, uh, I'm quite a big fan of, of both of the, uh, the Spider-Man films and I'm quite interested in, in what can come there. Uh, to try and progress on, uh, I'll just go through my, through my, uh, my, my stuff. My favourite superhero is, you know, it has been since I was a kid. I was, you know, probably three or four. When it first, probably the first thing I latched onto, even before Doctor Who, was, was Spider-Man and even that's the basic choice. It always will be watching Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1 at my nan's house when I was young and playing Spider-Man on the Spider-Man 2 on the PS2. It's going to be Spider-Man, but of course, uh, big uh, honourable mentions for uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers' uh, version, um, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, uh, Black Panther, um, and probably Adam Warlock as well. Um, yeah, big fans of all. Uh, probably actually, we'll get on to talking about Adam Warlock in our, uh, later, if, if we get onto it later. I kind of want to talk about uh, what they haven't done yet that, that they could do. Um, and favorite Marvel film for me would probably have to be Black Panther. Uh, Thor Ragnarok mm. is also in that conversation for me. Uh, I thought Thor Ragnarok is, um, yeah, I'm just a massive fan of of Taika, and uh, and I think that film is so wonderfully stylized and the color grade on that is, is beautiful, which is an issue I do have. It revived a lot of character too. Oh, oh holy 100%, crap! 100%, Natalie yeah. Portman is looking jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, We've got there's a Thor Love and Thunder uh, production shots that come out this week. Uh, so yeah, I so just, I just retweeted that. it. If you guys happen to see it on my profile, man, I just retweeted the shot. Yeah, she that's is looking fight, at at fight on twist. Yeah, fight on twist on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Little Thanos as a as a profile. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm gonna have to get onto it. We're talking about. This episode, we're talking about episode nine of WandaVision first. Before we go into the show overall, so episode nine of WandaVision uh, picks up uh, right at the end of episode eight, of course. Um, and do you want to try and we did? I made you do it uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, JL. Can you uh, can you refresh my memory on what happened in episode nine? Give us a little basic synopsis here. You want like you need a refresher? Um, episode nine. Okay, so uh oh god how do you even start i think it starts with agatha harkness is uh he's holding billy and tommy little billy and tommy uh you know she's got him under a little spell he, they can't seem Don't to this much detail mate yeah yeah i'm just saying you know she, she, she's got him off and oh, uh yeah, by the way, spoilers for my for one division episode nine by the way everyone yeah spoilers <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah so basically um we have uh, White Vision from from the previous episode is is introduced. Uh, we got Agatha Harkness, who's you know trying to take Wanda's power, and uh, Wanda is is not having it. She uh, she gets very angry, and then the you know hex opens up. We got Sword coming in. We got uh, you know we got some confrontations between Sword and. And Wanda and Wanda and Agatha and Vision and White Vision and uh, you know battle ensues. Get you know typical Marvel style, typical superhero um, confrontations, I guess, in in the finale. And um, yeah, some some interesting interesting occurrences, I guess. There's there's the comparison, obviously, with um, the more sort of visceral spell casting between uh, Agatha and Wanda, and we get the clash of minds you know we talked before about thanos being a philosopher i think there's no there's no greater philosopher in the mcu at this stage than than vision um yeah uh, vision versus white vision in the battle of the minds and uh all wraps up we got wanda casting some runes inside the hex which was very well done actually um you know come to to talk about our thoughts on the episode um but yeah wanda casting some runes and uh defeating agatha and imprisoning her in uh, in her character from from Wonder Vision, 
And yeah, nice conclusion. We got the the Scarlet Witch uh, reveal in, in the last episode, and and then this episode we've got the the costume and kind of the fully fledged character now going forwards for for future projects, Doctor Strange, and and so on. Um, and obviously there's a lot more happening in in between those sort of big yeah. moments, but. So Vision, yeah. uh, Vision, kind of uh, in his Wonder Vision format, uh, was, was kind of taken by where the Hicks went away, as did both of her kids. Um, White Vision seemingly flew off into the middle of nowhere on <laughs> once he realised, um, you know, the, the situation. When he realised that he was a boat, he fucked off. Um, yeah. uh, and then whether the question, some people think he went to kill himself because his plan is to kill the Vision, and he realises he's the Vision. I, we don't know about that. Maybe he flew off to to Wakanda. We have no I, clue. Yeah, I have a feeling. Yeah, um, yeah, and say Agatha was defeated. You say uh, they imprisoned. Um, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Haywood. 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 Uh, we got some more stuff with uh, Photon, which is the the version of Monica Rambo that they decided to go with. You kind of she goes to, she shows her full powers and saves um, the the doomed kids. Um, <laughs> and I will get on to we'll go into little reviews of each of our own thoughts on the episode. But first, JL, did you notice the Blade Runner reference? The Blade Runner reference. Yeah, where I did. Where was there a Blade Runner reference? Well, you know, say arguably my favourite film. It's up there with Baby Teeth, my favourite film. I was always going to notice it. Take it away, Josh. What was the Blade Runner reference? I don't know. That's what oh, I said. I thought what you was said you the did. Blade? No. I thought you said you did. Okay. In the post credit scene. I'm interested to hear this. In the post credit scene, they walk up to the cinema, and on the cinema, the film that's showing is Tannhauser Gate, which is from uh, uh-huh. Roy Batty's. Uh, uh, monologue at the end of Blade Runner. He says, "I've seen sea beams off the uh, off the side of the Tannhauser Gate." So, uh, was that supposed to be like a thing? Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that totally is. This, is. this I don't know. Does, does does that relate in any way to like the the comparisons between uh, the the robot humans in in Blade Runner and the uh, and the the schools? Perhaps I don't know if that's supposed to be the the implication. I think personally, I think the nod to Blade Runner is a conversation about um, vision. I think uh, a comparison, even though it's not there. And I think the reason why it's mentioned oh, is yeah. this kind of this uh, kind of robot that kind of questions its own existence, uh, doesn't know his own purpose, and knows that ultimately he is destined to die. Of course, this with being the Hex in a Blade Runner because of the replicant's short lifespan. Um, so That's yeah, person. Word. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it is, or maybe also, I'm just looking. To I it. mean, I've also Wizard of Oz reference as well. Yeah, I got the Wizard of Oz one. I also <laughs> very much appreciated the Incredibles uh, lineup parallel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I was thinking more like Avengers uh, Battle of New York vibes. Okay. Uh, no. So, uh, so hey, what do we think happened with Vision at the end? Yeah, okay, because we'll start that, shall we? He, 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 he took off, yeah. Yeah, after, I reckon... after they had the After they had the discussion about the ship of Theseus, Vision mm-hmm. takes off. Right, you know yes. when you know when Red Vision touches the White Vision? Is yeah. it? Did, did I imagine this, or did the White Vision, like, change colour? No, his... he did. He yeah, did. Head, he he got, he, after he unlocked his memories, he, he got his eyes back. Okay, yeah. but it wasn't like he's, he's like... Body didn't change color though, right? No, no, his body didn't change color. It was just his eyes, eyes yeah. and then something. I, I've, I've seen a couple the... of theories about like Wakanda because that's where he would have last been 
I last have memories. I've I've heard theories about potentially trying to track down Banner or Tony Stark because he doesn't necessarily know that Stark's dead, and obviously they created him. I don't know. I've heard a bunch of bunch of theories. I mean, there's a there's an untitled Black Panther series. I don't know if he's going to show up in that, like in Wakanda. I got oh, yeah, no it's idea. rumored to be called Wakanda. We don't know that yet. Um, yeah, I um, really hope. You know, speaking of Black Panther, what? How do you guys? Do you guys want to see going forward? I mean, obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna recast T'Challa. T'Challa will yeah. remain yeah. a legend in the Marvel universe, but somebody is ha- gonna have to take the mantle of the Black Panther. Who do you want it to be? I have various different thoughts and ideas, but I keep coming back to I think Mbaku would be the best. Because they would have to do a lot to rework Shuri. I have no issue with the female Black Panther, but Letitia Wright is like ten pounds soaking wet. And I think and... Uh, <laughs> I think they were always setting up uh, Shuri to be the kind of Tony replacement. That's what's what I, that's what I always thought of, at least anyway. Yeah, like, she's kind of this, you know, Agreed. genius. Uh, that's why know, I said scientist. I think it would take a lot to rework her because they've built her up as sort of the cue. If you will, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I do. I actually do think that the best option is to go for Shiri. I think because of that conflict, I'd like to see a kind of Spider-Man-esque struggle to accept his own powers kind of thing with Shuri, where maybe she doesn't want to be the Black Panther, and maybe takes a while to adapt to the concept that she is. What um, is I, what is the kind of lineage oh. of it though? If there's no children, is there like a actual example in the comics or like any kind of I just want to thing say, to thank draw upon? God they didn't make. Thank God they ignored the fact that Mbaku's fucking superhero name is Manape. Yeah, Manape. Yeah. Or, or I uh, he also went by what was it the White Gorilla and oh, they yeah. got rid of that too. Yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah, good decision for both, Marvel. Now. Both of those were problematic as hell. You know. Yeah, I think- <laughs> I think what I will say is I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with Black Panther, but whatever mm. they do, I'm pretty confident in that they're going to make the right choice. Yeah, um, sure. I definitely have a lot of faith in Coogler. Yeah. I also have a lot of faith that Chadwick Boseman likely had some input, knowing that where this was all headed, as it yeah, was headed there, he, 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 he had to have been in on some, on some potential backup plans, you know, that Marvel was going to operate as backup because they wanted him to pull through. But obviously, as it became more apparent, you know, this is a huge financial decision. And I hate to say that about a human life, but there but there but there is that aspect of this in that Marvel can't abandon the Black Panther because now more than ever, even especially with Bozeman passing, that character means too much to 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 blacks, African-Americans, you know, black Brits. and, And it just it means too much to too many people. They can't take it off screen. They can't, they can't take that away. They can't take away that representation. Yeah. I'm it's glad that they've, to uh, be there. I'm glad that they've like confirmed though, that black Panther two is still going ahead and so on. Like mm. I'm very glad that they haven't just, I, I don't think they would have scrapped it completely, but there's different avenues they could have taken with the character and, and, and Wakanda and, and, you know, the characters that they've already got. So I'm, I'm glad that they've, we can all agree that it's a great move to not recast him. Nobody wanted to yeah. see that. So thank no, God. No, nobody, didn't. nobody wanted to see 
Chad, I mean, unless Chadwick Boseman himself said, I want this role recast, I wouldn't have been okay with it. Like, yeah. And I would have needed to see Chadwick Boseman saying it himself mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, so now we... that's where we think Vision is. Yes. Uh, is okay, Wakanda. I think, yeah, perhaps potentially. I think there's also a bit of an issue with, with White Vision flying off into WandaVision, which is, for me, I'm like, if he has his memories, he is Vision. So why would he not yeah. immediately go to Wanda, seeing his, he's like mad? He's not Vision, that. Vision, I guess. He's but not got he, the emotions but, and stuff. But he has all of the vi- the memories of the Vision. So his life, essentially, in his own head, is the same as a Vision. He would feel all the same emotions and stuff. Cause he he knows- does have emotions, though. Yeah. Oh, does he not? Is that the thing? No, he because he's just a, he's just the body with the memories in it. He's not got the emotions that Vision mm, learned. Maybe that's may yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that'll be his avenue. Is that like how is he? How, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. That's I think it's gonna be. Sure. I think it's gonna be very similar, and I'm not sure how they're gonna play it. But I've just, this, this just dawned on me. Gamora. Yeah, this Gamora. just dawned on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, Gamora is yeah. gonna be an interesting fix too because. You know, she it was good she just kinda wandered off after the battle and and now they need to find her. I'm interested to see how they're going to reintegrate some of these characters. Obviously we have some that have moved on and that we won't see again, you know, Iron mm-hmm. Man and Cap. Um, I still remain unconvinced that Chris Evans is permanently going to walk away from the role. I think he's going to find that... What was it the other day, though, that I was... I can't remember which project it was, but there was an article I saw the other day which mentioned that Chris Evans was going to come back in one of the upcoming projects, and I can't remember which one it was. I don't think it was Falcon and a Soldier, but I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure I read something recently which said that he was going to come back for something. Well, we know I from think he will die. I think Captain America would die. Yeah, he does. We, he does. He does. We if you if you watch the trailer, there's a scene for a funeral. Yeah, and it's a massive funeral. Okay, well, well that'll be it. Then we'll, that'll Peggy, be his return, I guess. Peggy Carter already died, so who's going to have a massive funeral that's of the age to die? Hmm. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> and happens to be directly related to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the so I, I'm I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure that Captain America dies in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I I I would almost bet on it because we saw that funeral scene, even if it was just a snippet of it. We we don't know who it is, but I yeah. I would bet that it's. But see, that still opens the door for him to come back if they do a multiverse thing. So I don't know. I want to see Chris Evans come back in the multiverse thing as Human Torch. That's what I want to see. And, and <laughs> him Ryan, to fight Michael Ryan B. Jordan. Uh, and then scene. only play Human Torch yeah. and just have <laughs> and then just have happen. the actors like yeah, he's just been recast. He's not Cap. He's Human Torch, and all the actors just have to pretend that he is now Johnny Storm. Johnny, has anyone ever mentioned that you look really, really like Steve Rogers? Oh, yeah, I think it's actually been mentioned a few times, yeah. So, like, that's it. We, just <laughs> meant, we get that one line, and then we're just like, we just We've, uh, No, I'm uh... still holding up hope that we're going to that we're gonna get, like, a Tom Cruise, Tony Stark cameo. <laughs> Why do you think this is going to happen? You've mentioned this to me before. Be- Why do you because, think Tom Cruise is going to be Tony the, Stark? Because if they're going to do a multiverse with stupid cameos, they have to do something of, like, you know, the the original cast of some of the main characters. They have if to I do see, it, surely. If I see Tom Cruise in a Marvel f- in, in playing Tony Stark, I will f- never watch anything. Marvel again. I do not want to see Tom Cruise get his slimy fingers near 
Marvel. I got. You're I gotta be evil. honest, dude. I don't think Marvel is going to allow Scientology within true. 500 yeah. yards of a production. That man. is very true. Uh, yeah, but Marvel is owned by Disney, who make The Simpsons and has a famous Scientologist as one of the main four characters. Still the same company. True, Nancy Cartwright. Yeah. Also devastated when I found that out. Yeah, I was devastated just when like I found I was out it was played by a woman. I, when I was younger, like, I just thought it was like a kid that was eternally young, like the character playing it. And I, when I realised that <laughs> people don't stay eight uh, forever, that doesn't make sense. Uh, okay. Let's go. Let's go back to One Division for a Let's for go a back to One Division. Do you remember that One Division program that came out a few weeks ago? Yeah, okay. just just about. JL, what are your thoughts on One yeah. Division episode nine? Can I have your review for One Division episode nine, please? My review. Yeah. Um, I think I'm disappointed, and not and not even just because of the the theories and rumors and speculation that came before it. Mm-hmm. I just think overall, I just think it ended very quickly and. In a very typical Marvel fashion, and I was quite disappointed to be honest with you. There were some really cool moments. I really liked the the Wanda runes, like when she was, uh, you know, intentionally shooting against the hex. I was like, hang on a minute, Wanda's missing like every single shot here. What's going on? Uh, turns out, you know, she was she was placing those runes, which was, uh, you know, a cool move. And um, you know, it's it, it's similar things have happened, I guess, with like the likes of Black Panther in in Black Panther, and uh, you know, we you know, there's there's a bunch of stuff like, you know, heroes. And, and villains having similar power, but, you know, overcoming in, with some trick of the book, whether it be, you know, the gravity lift thing, the gravity train thing in Black Panther or Ant-Man or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, there were some really cool moments in, in the finale. I thought the, the Vision standoff was really interesting. Um, There's obviously some really cool co- uh, post-credit scenes, which, you know, set up things, things to come, and, and uh, we can talk about those, I guess, in a second. But I think overall, I'm just... I don't know. Underwhelmed, probably. Um, I mean, it was still a, it was still a very solid finale. Like it, it did what it needed to do. I just think perhaps I don't know. Things just seem to be happening and uh, in a very rushed way in in some places. Um, I don't know. It it, it felt like a, a a good finale. It didn't feel like a you know mind blowing finale that kind of it kind of. De- detrimentally impacted my thoughts on the whole series I think just mm. kind of what, what I was expecting from the finale not even just because of the rumours and so on just even just what I was hoping for um, maybe didn't really sort of come out in, in the finale but yeah I, I, I'll kind of yeah to, to kind of piggyback it and to go into your review I feel kind of similarly on a lot of issues um, I will say I will preface this by saying if you have an issue with WandaVision episode 9 because what you thought was going to happen didn't happen Get a life. Go outside. Oh, no, no, that's, that's not. That, that, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying no, people yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, like, Collider wrote a fantastic article about that. I want to say the headline is something like "Things that were never promised to me in WandaVision didn't end up happening, and now I'm upset." And yeah, it's like, yeah. look, dude, nobody. I will say this. I will say this. I think what they did with Evan Peters. That was kind of low for some fans. I mean, that was kind of low. But at the same time, it was still cool just seeing him in there, even if it, you know, maybe some of these things, we forget that a lot of these things can be test runs for Marvel. They could say, hey, you know what? Let's see what kind of response we get keeping this actor from that. And, and and it could just be a test run for Marvel. There may be more that they decide to keep. But 
I did think that was kind of low, but on the whole, like, people got upset over stuff. They built up these theories in their head and then got upset when Marvel didn't deliver the crap that they came up with in Mm -hmm. their head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think overall, my issue uh, maybe with the finale is just in terms of, like, loose ends and, and tying things up, is that there were certain things that were left, you know, untied and, and you know, that makes sense because, you know, we, even before the first episode of WandaVision, we knew that going forward this was going to link directly into Doctor Strange 2 and, and so on. So, you know, there's, there had to be some kind of loose ends to be tied up in future projects, but there were certain things that were just kind of, like, said or mentioned in, in earlier episodes or in the finale that just didn't get resolved at all. Like, vi- White Vision, we've already mentioned, just kind of disappeared. Um, uh, what else? Like, um... Well, I will say that I, I do quite strongly believe that if if that bloke doesn't eat that bat in China and we and COVID starts, right, then Evan Peters doesn't get called Ralph Boner. I think that because they had to, they had problems with shooting and had to do changing and stuff. I think they rushed it. I think um, I don't necessarily think that about anything else particularly. But I think the fact that that wasn't the plan. I don't think they just wanted to be thinking because then how did he have superpowers and what did well, what, uh, what did think? I really do think that COVID changed that. I think that COVID impacted the, that. That's when it even clicked with me though. In the episode, I was watching it and then he says, "Oh, my name's Ralph Bone," and then. I didn't even click with the fact that that was like the Ralph that Agnes was talking about in like yeah. early episodes. Um, I thought it was going to be his bunny, the whole her bunny, the whole time. I thought well, like I that bunny. I'm still be... confused though because there's like Jimmy Woo mentioning like this Cliff guy who I'm guessing he's an FBI person, but we don't actually know. And then there's uh, what was the other one? There was another thing that didn't even get that didn't even get tied up. Um, yeah, just a bunch of like loose ends that some of them, yeah, as I mentioned, fine. You know, leave loose ends. That's 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 great that's, that's typical mcu and i love that sort of stuff but other things just got left undone uh, un- the not sort of finished the thing. not mentioning like that the, the, the person that jimmy was tracking not revealing that i don't get holding on to that i mean maybe maybe i i you know i'm gonna be surprised when we go see doctor strange too and they're gonna reveal who that was and and so on and so forth or, you know, maybe flipping Agatha was the person. But yeah, I found it weird that they didn't tie up some basic loose ends. Like, not stuff mm-hmm. that you would traditionally think of as Marvel dangling. You know, I mm-hmm. totally get Marvel leaving loose ends. But there was yeah. some stuff related to this story and this story only that they seem to have left loose. Yes. Yeah. And I wonder if COVID is to do with that, or maybe maybe that's a, well, a an excuse. Not even just COVID as well. One thing I was thinking about um, while I was watching the finale was, if Disney Plus never... I mean, they did, so it's kind of like a pointless question to ask, but if Feige didn't say, Disney Plus, we want you know X amount of Marvel shows, we don't want WandaVision, we don't want Falcon and Winter Soldier, like... Because obviously these stories just wouldn't ever be told in a film. Like, there's not enough time, there's not enough space mm-hmm. for these stories to be told in in the main films. So it wouldn't do it's very intriguing. well either. It's intriguing to think about, like, you know, if if one division didn't happen, then we just end up with Wonder and, and Vision. Like, where where do we go forwards? Like, in terms of character development, and you know, obviously we had the the Scarlet Witch reveal and so on. In terms of you know pushing her character forward if if one division didn't happen if, if that never you know came to to surface then 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 what for for those characters 
Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, it's interesting because I think you go into one division where who are people that are outside of kind of MCU fans and comic book readers I kind of always talk about my mum right I always say this about my mum like somebody that just watches the films as they come out or you know anyone's mum whatever or someone's just you know someone who just goes to cinema right someone that's not like obsessive about this stuff like do you think that many of them were even that aware who Wanda was before this like I watched all of WandaVision with my mum uh, and and I remember so, so, so here I was like oh it's about Wanda you know Scarlet Witch and she's like who and I was like you know and she's like in Endgame and she's like what and I was like I don't really blame her she's like barely important yeah, at exactly. all like That's what going I mean. from that to being like the most intriguing character in Marvel one of the like where where does this go um, you know it's, it's really it, it, what it's done for the character is massive and yeah I think that it you know you talk about what if it never happened thank god it did because this is the kind mm-hmm. of platform where they can really go into the details and the characters that maybe don't wouldn't justify their own film or wouldn't do well in a film you know to have that full that full thing that full runtime um you look at some of the things they've scrapped over the years and stuff and they're, they're worried about the inhumans not being able to sell and stuff if there was a proper disney plus series about the inhumans rather than than the, you know whatever the shit show the humans was you know maybe we'd be talking about them as a kind of big kind of universal importance um, but just, you know, my thoughts on WandaVision was... Uh, I went I, to the premiere of The Inhumans, and even the cast didn't stick around to watch that piece <laughs> of shit. Like, they came, they did the red carpet, they acted like they were seating, but like I was sitting kind of like right by them. So mm-hmm. I noticed them all get up and leave, and they're and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be awful, isn't it?" Like <laughs> they they aired the first two the first two episodes for us, and it was just in IMAX, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not good." Yeah, and I think it's I think it was the only one that really flopped. I think there's been a couple of DC ones that really flopped, but. Um, that's probably the only Marvel one that was like like absolute bottom of the barrel because you think they kind of I think Netflix had a very good track record. Um, maybe some of the things that I mean, did anyone watch Cloak and Dagger? I mean, I, I did. It. I liked it. I liked it. Did, did I thought you? Cloak and Dagger was good. But it's just I never feel like I've ever heard anyone well, talking about it. But the yeah. thing as well is in One Division, the book at the end of One Division. Um, I mean, Josh, you talked about done on Square the Darkhold and stuff. Yeah. And that's been... I only found out because I haven't seen them, but I found out from Google that they were also featured in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah, Inhumans. With the, they, it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was the Ghost Rider saga um, that featured the Darkhold um, back when they when they had Gabriel Luna playing uh, playing Ghost Rider. And uh, I actually have a copy of the Darkhold somewhere around here. I think it's in the living room. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Nice. Because, right, yeah, you know, everyone's got to have a copy of the Darkhold laying mm. around. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, in my garage. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought that book was the Darkhold when I saw it, as did a lot of people. Like, it's it's one of the, you know, bigger books in, in Marvel. It's mm-hmm. one of the most notable books, so it probably was the Darkhold all along. But it's really going to play like I think I think we can't truly judge WandaVision until we've seen the accompanying film. Like, yeah, yeah. right. Doesn't that seem fair? Like they left these loose ends that are going to be explored in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. 
And I think that once that's over, we're going to have a different look, sort of like how people are revisiting Age of Ultron right now. Yeah. Like, okay, it's a little bit better with time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I, I, say, I watched Age of Ultron and I thought it was a lot better than what I did at the time. Um, just thinking now, uh, not for a while, because our episode's longer, that we might have to cut this into two. Actually, then we can get more content out of it. So I'll do that. I'll remember to cut the editors out. Um, so I was going to say, oh yeah, so my thoughts on the episode itself... Um, I uh, so I, I think that that it's not uh, it's obvious to anyone that's listened to the podcast over the last uh, six weeks, seven weeks that I've been a massive fan of the show that's gone on. Uh, I think that there's only one episode. I think it maybe can't remember the, which one it was, or something maybe six or something that I wasn't like a massive fan of. Everything else, I've boom, I've absolutely adored. We didn't hear my thoughts in the first episodes because I was ill, but I, I adored the sitcom episodes. I thought they were great. I loved the change of pace uh, from New Joe Marvel, and um, maybe episode nine, maybe they went back to that typical Marvel. Um, but I'll say that I loved all the build up to it, and I loved how it ended. I loved how the show. Uh, fell like by the end of the episode so many cool things happened and I was happy about it the journey there I wasn't particularly happy about at points I thought that uh, you know it's been said of, by quite a few people after a show we had so many different uh, cool styles and new things and, and, and some real actual very funny comedy uh, and so many different things to a usual Marvel show it did find out with a normal Marvel fight where kind of two two versions of the same more powerful a bad version of the good guy etc that big fight with Wanda and it was a bit of just like uh, special effects off I didn't always have a didn't, didn't love that um you know the white, the white vision versus vision uh, fight at the start. You know it was a little bit longer, but then the the talk of the sympathesis that was very interesting. Actually, I thought it was a great um, bit of, yeah. of dialogue and and kind of that, that conversation was was one of the highlights of the episode. Maybe I thought because it, it was definitely leaning towards that like Superman Zod style, mm. and then mm-hmm, all of a definitely. sudden it just does a complete one eighty upon itself. Where instead of beating the hell out of each other, now they're trying to out you know. Yeah, out so- Socrates, I, the other guy. <laughs> I liked a lot of the uh, the callbacks as well to previous dialogue and actions. There's obviously mm. in what was it the penultimate episode where there's the the, the parallel with um, Wanda saying that she can't feel Vision, and then the, the parallel to Infinity War, and there's a couple in the finale as well where they paralleled back to. To dialogue and actions from from other what projects. What was it? Something that Vision said, like I don't suppose you'd want it to be able to like talk this out. Like <laughs> yeah. I think is is something that Clint said to him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's a lot of that, and uh, I say I I uh, I really really liked uh, the emotional end to the series when kind of uh, as the <laughs> as the uh, kind of proverbial. Uh, kind of stroke of midnight kind of takes over the place and, and they kind of uh, everyone starts to to, to stop existing uh, that was you know a really emotional scene I thought was done really well I thought that uh, the acting do you, do you from... want me to make it even more powerful why what okay so Billy's thing is that he can see into the future yeah so Billy likely knew what was about to happen to them and he let it happen <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of that is kind of depressing, but um, spoilers for the rest of my review. I could not stand the child acting, uh, and yeah, it, it wasn't great. I think it's always we've talked before on the podcast though. It's it's yeah. always a fine line with child actors. I think fine line that I want to boot him in the teeth. 
But I, uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> can, um, we, can we talk about Hayward just unloading a fucking pistol on those kids as well? <laughs> I mean, I know that's yeah, like really, but... Hayward unloaded an entire clip into him. Like, what kind of sort of like repressed shit is this guy dealing with, dude? <laughs> it's, uh, like, psychopath. he's he like let's let's run down Hayward. He framed Wanda. He unleashed Vision. He's letting this chick take over and torture people. He's getting ready to go and kill her. And he unloads a clip of bullets into some kids after arresting an FBI <laughs> agent who is, was going to uncover his the evil. The thing as well is you have all of that. And then you have to remember that the people in Westview are going to absolutely think of Wanda as a villain. They're going to think yep. of Agnes as a complete hero, kind of. And then they're going to just see Agnes walking around the town like acting like she's in the whatever decade she was supposed to be in. Also, yeah. what what's the logic behind that? Is it just she's is it just one mind control? Like is it a mint like what's the practicalities of that? And do you think I, Agnes is I gonna come back in another thing? No, I don't think she will. I think you're looking too deep into that one. I just think that they've just tried to like find like a, a kind of apt kind of way to deal with her in her own do you kind not of think way. She, you know you, you know what occurred gonna... to me when I when I when I saw that scene? Was no. Odin telling Loki, yeah, Frigga would have been proud. It took me a while to break free from your magic. That's yeah. what, that's, like, does, does, is Agnes now, or Agatha, I guess we should call her by her real name. Mm-hmm. Is Agatha powerful enough that she can break that spell and will eventually realize, like, I mean, we, we assume she's going to be in Doctor Strange too, right? Like, oh, I mean, I do you guys think so. I honestly think that she's going to come back at some point. Because I don't. I don't. I honestly, well, the whole thing is, is she that said she's she more was. powerful and more knowledgeable, and I think Wanda's going to go back and use and like use her like situation to be like, okay, I'll release you if you do this, this, this. Like, I'm uh, maybe it's like a ten minute. Proven wrong, but I don't. I think that this is a one-off villain, uh, and she was just used a large part to just prove how strong Scarlet Witch is, and I think. You know, there's a very, very interesting part of dialogue in there, um, which has got you know, massive universal ramifications, which is like, you're more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, and so, yeah. like, I think partly, like, that is is part of the explanation of why I don't think that is just going to break out of the spell, because she's... Like, I break is, out. Like, I can see Wanda using, using her for, like, knowledge and... Maybe. Maybe. I don't think they will, personally. But... You know, I think she's going to come back because she said, you're going to need me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, like she flat said, you're gonna need me. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we talk about? You mentioned the Scarlet Witch and you know the connotations going forward. Can we talk about the costume? I thought it was sick. I thought that was so good. Like very well done. Yeah. Also, there's a. I I saw someone on Twitter post a comparison picture with uh, her and Magneto's costumes. Just saying. Oh yeah. They look outstanding, and one of the things that uh, they addressed in that costume is, like, Elizabeth Olsen had been, you know, complaining because, I mean, the last couple costumes they had her wear were very chestacular, mm-hmm. and uh, she she was complaining about that, like, you know, it, it hurts to have your cleavage shoved up like that, so they made some more form-fitting ones that that don't thrust her cleavage into the spotlight as per her wishes. Mm -hmm. And I think that with the functionality that they added and and sort of the modern touches to make it it look like a 
like not not so much a goofy outfit as a functional costume like i rather enjoyed it i thought it looked outstanding it looks really good yeah and you mentioned some um the the super strength of her abilities now especially she's gonna you know potentially learn more from from the dark horde or whatever that book is that she was that she was using she was using her astral form to read through it so yeah that's what i was just gonna say strange So it'll be interesting to see. Like, what do we think is going to happen in Doctor Strange 2? Like, does she fully break? Does she break bad? I can. I don't think she'll be a villain, so to speak, but I think she's going to be the driving force of, like, the film in terms of, you know, if if the, if the implications of that post, post-credit scene with uh, the children's voices is anything to go by, I'm guessing oh, she's going to yeah. try and go through and, and open up some alternate realities and try and track down a dimension where she can actually have children and so on so yeah i can very much see a situation where can i just say it seems like i was just gonna say it seems like a lot of work to go through when you could just have sex (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying (laughs) my husband is a dead robot (laughs) Um, but he has all the parts one thing I will say is I talked in the last episode about it's dealing with grief and trauma and how it had a different perspective on the superhero sort of attitude towards those things is it only dawned on me in the past couple of episodes just how alone Wanda was Mm. you know the people she would have the people she would have gone to are either dead gone or you know reunited with their own families so it's and obviously, if you had the comparison in the penultimate episode, you know, with her parents and then Vision and her brother, and, you know, she's basically lost everyone at that point. So it didn't really dawn on me until the finale. Especially. Go make friends with Wong. I'm sure Wong is lonely too. Wong. I've, got, I've got a feeling that who is my favorite Marvel character, actually? It might be Wong. Like her and Thor yeah. are without a doubt like two of the most ravaged like in in you know thor they covered his sort of fucked <laughs> journey through mm-hmm. the dialogue in uh in infinity war when he was on his way to nid of a leader um but but wanda really i mean because you you add in the fact that you know she's not really from america she's she's from sokovia her nation literally got blown out of the sky Mm -hmm. Uh, Her brother got shot dead by the maniacal robot that blew her nation out of the sky. And then, you know, another maniacal alien came and killed her boyfriend. Like, I mean, she really has just not had a good run. Like, you... And and I kind of feel like I wish we would see... Like, we saw a little bit of, of the male grief... But it was it was done rather cheekily. Like Hawkeye was Ronin killing people. He wasn't really dealing with his grief so much as he was just slaughtering people. Mm-hmm. In Thor, they kind of went this weird route that I'm not necessarily a giant fan of with Fat Thor. Like I kind of think it's a slight to certain people. I've I I've kind of always felt that way, but. Mm. You know, Wanda's like the only person we've really gone in and looked at her grief wholeheartedly. And I wish that we would be able to do that with the male superheroes, too, because I kind of feel like it's 
it's weird that we just have female characters dealing with their grief. Like we need to have more male characters dealing with their grief too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I do think uh, there's a good point there. And I think perhaps uh, a great comparison would be made between the way that, yeah, you say the Russo's treated Thor and the way that, um, I, uh, how Wanda was treated here. Uh, and yeah, I got to say at the time I thought it was funny uh, in retrospect, I actually do have issues with the way that Thor was thing, and, and it was kind of played off for laughs. Whereas, yeah, you say they respect it in here, and it that could that could bring up some interesting dialogue if you wanted to go into that. Like they made being fat a laugh, and I kind yeah. of just have issues with that because I have a lot of friends who deal with fat phobia and things of that nature, and you know, him becoming fat as a way to deal with its grief and it being a laughing point, like just sort of it didn't sit right with them. And it's like, once I viewed it through their lens, I stopped finding it funny too. Like I was no. like, eh. mm. cause, okay. cause I'm sure I'm... I was like you, I I'm sure I, I laughed in the theaters, but like, it was like in retrospect, I'm like, I wish the Russos would have not done that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty fat lad myself and, and I don't, I didn't have a problem with the fatness thing. I think more actually the, the, maybe the bigger issue for me would be the fact that his grief is manifested as him being fat and right. that is played for laughs. Therefore his, his grief is played for laughs and, and that is itself a different issue that maybe, yeah, there's a thing of that kind of almost toxic masculinity in which way like, you know, you know, you can't talk about your feelings, whereas, you know, it's embraced and, and almost yeah. you could say the opposite way that, that maybe you could say that Wanda's portrayed as hysterical, um, if you want to go down that route, I don't think I personally would go down that. Literally, her whole family died. Um, but, you know, you could go down that route. Well, that's um, the thing as well. In You mentioned about the toxic masculinity and so on. That's the one thing that really... I, the fat four thing, not so much. Like, maybe in retrospect, as you're saying, especially with other people's, like, sort of viewpoints, then for sure yeah. I can I can see the problems with that. The one thing that really, like, did not sit right with me when I was watching Infin- uh, sorry, Endgame was the scene where Rocket, like, slaps Thor and tells him to, like, mm, man, man up, up or whatever he says. Yeah. And, like, I was just like, hang on a minute. Like, of all the things Marvel have done in recent years, you're now going to tell the main protagonist who's gone through that to, to man up. I don't know. That's the one thing for me that didn't maybe sit right. Yeah. Yeah. I can kind of, like, I agree with you. The only thing that, and I'll just say it softened it for me, I won't say it wiped it out, is that Rocket did have that very meaningful conversation with him where he said, look, you know, your mom is really dead. Like, these people are really dead. And we have a chance to bring back people who are only kind of dead. Like, you need to get your shit together because, you know, this is this is a finite mission. You know, there's there's only so many things that that we can we can have go wrong before we're up a creek without a paddle because they only had so many pin particles. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you can only afford so many mistakes yeah. on a huge yeah. mission like that. So I did mm-hmm. get that, but I didn't like the whole like man up thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit old fashioned, isn't it? The whole the whole slapping somebody thing is a trope that needs to die. Like, yeah. when is that yeah. ever? Yeah. Like, what would you do if you were sitting there just like freaking out and somebody like bitch slapped you? Like, I mean, yeah. has that ever happened in reality? Yeah. 
I don't imagine it's any situation in which somebody slaps me and I don't punch him in the face back. Right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I can't imagine a scenario where I'm like, oh, God, you're right. Thanks, Cheers. man. Yeah, Thank yeah, you thanks, for man. hitting me in the face. Yeah. You know, I just... <laughs> just before we move on... Um... I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Going back to one division before we before we move on to you know future projects and stuff. Where do you where do you see it fitting in in terms of your sort of ratings rankings of of the MCU? Uh, where uh, are you guys uh, fitting it for in? Me, just for, for both, me, both uh, of you and for myself. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just saying for me, um, I see it with, and and this is kind of a thing on the, the whole thing. You know that review. You know we've got so much to talk about, so it's, it's hard to fit it all in. But you know, I think one division. Um, whilst the ending, I said the, the last episode, um, because of the ends justify the means to a degree, I think what happened in, I enjoyed, uh, perhaps, you know, some of it went a little bit marvel at points, but I did not think that, I think that it arrived at a nice conclusion that satisfied me with the events of the program leading up to it. Um, I think that, you know, as saying, going through the first 10, you know, the whole nine episodes, it explored so many things that Marvel needed to do, really changed the format up. Uh, really made you know I was so looking forward to every week I think the decision to make it a weekly release was excellent it really maximised the impact of each cliffhanger um, and yeah and it's exactly what I see at Marvel some kind of genre bending some wacky stuff some multiversal stuff some time travel checking around the things uh, you know some exciting cameos and good cliffhangers I really think it was one of my favourite Marvel projects and I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 that's a big one for me and when it ranks with my MCU content I would put it just, just it's just after my my top top stuff. So on my current ranking list, I've got Black Panther, Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame. That's above it. Nothing else is. It's even above the likes of Captain Marvel, which I love. It's above Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's how highly I have One Division the MCU, and I'm so looking forward to what Disney Plus can make more, especially stuff like Loki. What about yourself? Um, I'm. I don't know. It didn't jump off a cliff at the end. Like it didn't. Like you know completely skydive catastrophe finale but i feel like i was kind of wanting a bit more from the finale mm. um as you mentioned it kind of goes back into some some of those maybe early marvel tropes which they've tried kind of moved away from in in recent uh, films in, in recent years it, it's kind of a weird one for me because i was so positive and you know i was I very highly praised each episode each week and you know there's only one episode which was the the retrospective sword episode which kind of didn't really work for me um but i mean it's an interesting one in the fact that it's currently fourth from bottom i mean i haven't seen likes of thor and thor the dark world and you know age of ultron which some people don't like um but i've so i've seen 17 mcu projects um and right now it's above the in, the hulk or whatever it's called um mm-hmm. incredible okay, hulk um ant-man the first one because i'm not seeing the second one and Doctor Strange, because uh, the thing is for me, Ant Man, Doctor Strange, and One Division are things that, in theory, like in principle, I should really, really love and cling to, and you know, adore the kind of different approach to a Marvel project. But I just feel like there were certain parts which didn't didn't work for me um, overall. And yeah, it I don't know, and maybe just... it'll change in. Uh, in retrospect, maybe it'll change once we've seen the implications going forward of Doctor Strange and so on. Um, as you mentioned, Age of Ultron, like that kind of did a retrospect with uh, with One Division. So I've got it at like a seven and a half out of ten, which is okay. by no means bad. My lowest is a th- six, so yeah. I'd yeah, probably so... rate it at about an eight mm-hmm. if I'm joining in on this conversation. Mm-hmm. Eight out of, of ten, I'd have it. I'd have it kind of where you have it, but I'd have it like a tier below maybe Ant Man and stuff too, like. 
I have Ant-Man in my top tier, like Ant-Man, Infinity War. Uh, um, I think the first Guardians of the Galaxy, because I came out of that film, like I imagine people walked out of Star Wars in the 70s. Yeah, I love um, the first Guardians. It's my third favorite. It, it's just, it was just a, a tremendous experience, especially seeing that in 3D. Like, we got something that even Star Wars didn't get. Um, so, you know, I... I <laughs> but I'd have it just like a tier below the second best, kind of like right there, like, t- you know, maybe <clears throat> maybe right around with like Ant-Man and the Wasp and, and so uh, Endgame, which I have below Infinity War. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as Infinity War. Yeah, I think we can but say I, that. I, I think it was because for me, Infinity War was incredible because it ended with the bad guy winning. That yeah. was it. That was yeah. the film. Like yeah, I was so you know, shocked by Infinity War. Yeah, no, I wasn't prepared to see it. Oh, um, I was. I absolutely was ready for it, man. I, was, <laughs> I, I wanted him to get all six stones and obliterate half of all life. More, <laughs> like everyone in the theater was like gasping, and I let out this yes. <laughs> like it was, people were just yeah. like crying because their favorite heroes are disappearing, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> Never mind, uh, you know, Cap building Mjolnir. You were just screaming when Thanos killed everyone. Yeah, because I, I think that kind of stuff is awesome, man. That we we only get... How often do you get a, a, a film that's done as well as Infinity War was done, but where the yeah. bad guy wins and it's not... Because it wasn't a cliffhanger. I mean, we knew it was. We knew the Avengers would eventually correct it, but there was going to be a number of things that happened in between a and B mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't know. I just thought infinity war because I think uh, Josh Brolin gave such life to Thanos, man. Yeah. Just yeah. that calculating, like, I don't know who specifically wrote for Brolin, but he just has some of the most quotable and fantastic lines in the entire thing. Yeah. Got- Vision too in one division. Yeah. Yeah. When Vision is talking about grief and he's, you know, what is grief if not love and, you know, persevering, it's like, how many people just, like, took took the stuff they were writing and threw it up against the wall when you're like, I can't compete with that. I saw, like, I saw uh, <laughs> an interesting and funny meme on, on Reddit which said, uh, this is after the finale, you know, quite a few people were disappointed with the finale, which I... Kind of agree with somewhat. Um, Seventy-five percent of Josh's followers, however, were 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 happy about the positive about this finale, including myself. Yeah, I was overall positive. I'd say I wasn't like overall negative. But anyway, the meme I saw was a uh, "What is uh, disappointment if not hope persevering?" And, uh... <laughs> what, was, what was that thing I sent to you? What is a fart, but not if <laughs> but not too fart, uh, ass cheeks vibrating? Um, so <laughs> we uh, moving on from that. We talked, obviously, last week uh, as well uh, in our episode about uh, No Country for Old Men, about just how good Josh Brolin was. Uh, and we, I don't know yeah. if we really went to it. I think you said, especially, I think you said about how there already was a performance because everyone mm-hmm. was obviously about having about them. Um, and yeah, and, and that, that stands up, you know, for his two roles in, in Marvel, in, in Deadpool and in, in uh, Infinity War, both excellent casting and both fits the character so well. Uh, yeah. And he's so good in, in each of them. Um, so yeah, obviously... That's a, that's a big big plus for, from there and I think the answer as well to my answer film that good where the bad thing happens at the end uh, would be I'd say Doctor Strange Love that's another one where the, the bad thing happens and it's actually an excellent film so that's my counter argument yeah 
just uh, speaking of Javier Bardem, can we just uh, can we just please have Javier Bardem in the MCU? Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor, Doctor Doom. Doom. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I think Javier Bardem would be just an outstanding Victor Von Doom. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's excellent. I've, I've long, I've long felt that. Yeah, I, there is I also agree. the argument though that they already made the issue with Elizabeth Olsen of maybe not casting an Eastern European actor in an Eastern European role, and maybe they wouldn't want to make the same backlash when they went to Victor Von Doom. Perhaps. Yeah, that's also a thing. But I mean, we're, we're like, what? I can understand if the character was like from Russia, you know, you reach out, like you, you try and cast some Russians, but I mean, he lives in Latveria. It's a, it's a fictional country. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't have an issue. I, I, but, Mads yeah, Mickelson right. would do, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Mads Mickelson would be great casting. Mads Mickelson needs to be cast in the MCU at some point. I don't know as who, but it's gotta happen. As a European, I would like to officially offer my roles to Marvel if they need a Victor Von Doom. <laughs> I, I, well, sorry. No, I was just gonna say we we talked about One Division. We talked about our favorite projects so far, and we've touched on future stuff, but. I, just, I, got, I actually got a question in um, from someone on a Discord server that I'm in, a Marvel Discord server, um, which might be of interest to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Niall, and uh, Niall says, What's your expectations for the rest of Phase 4, given what One Division has started off with, um, in terms of expectations of quality, how Phase 4 will compare to earlier phases, and what we expect to see? So, do you want to tackle that question josh you know what what i think is interesting and you mentioned this and i'll answer the question what i like about the upcoming shows is that it the weekly format absolutely suits them because Mm -hmm. that's how comics are printed yeah weekly you have to you know you have to wait so for people who've grown up reading comics this is you know par for the course yeah but i think wandavision answering the question sets out uh, uh, a tremendous bar for everyone else to sort of climb. And, and based on the early footage we've seen, like, look, we know Daniel Bruhl can act the hell out of some Baron Zemo. We know that Sebastian Stan is dialed in on his role, and so is Anthony Mackie. We know that Tom Hiddleston is going to absolutely kill it as Loki in his own little saga. I think the big question for Phase 4 are going to be the introductions of characters we haven't seen, right? Because mm-hmm, yeah. right now, all we're getting are side tales of characters we have seen. We are getting some new characters like Agatha Harkness, um, but, you know, we, we or Patriot or whoever is going to be in these shows. But I think once we start getting to content like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and secret invasion i that's when i think that the the glory is going to come out and this is the other thing i'm not sure what is fully in phase four like is all of this stuff that they've mentioned considered phase four because they've got a ton of projects right i think most things they've announced up until the likes of uh x-men and that sort of thing I think that's phase so four, armor, right? so. armor wars, Ironheart, Secret Invasion, She Hulk, Moon Knight. Because, like, look, heading out of the gate, we get WandaVision, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, and Miss Marvel. 
like yeah, so and, and for... what if, but yeah, that's like a separate thing, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I kind of left what if out because it's yeah, it's, it's not really gonna have an impact on yeah, yeah. on the um, but 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 for one, two, three, for four, for four old characters, we get in one new character. It's not really until about twenty twenty two where we're gonna get like Moon Knight and so on. Yeah. You like those are the characters I want to see. Hi, future Sam Houston here. I'm here to say that the podcast was getting a little bit too long, so we decided to split it in half, and we decided to do so here. If you want to follow our special guest Josh Webb on Twitter, it is at Fight on Twist. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Sam H Media or on Letterboxd at Sam Houston. You can do so with Jordan uh, at By Jordan Luke on both Twitter and Letterboxd. If you want to follow the podcast, it's at Now Showing Film on Twitter. And we are proud members of the Music City Drive-In Network. You can follow them on Twitter at MCDIPod or on their website where they've got a, a whole host of different podcasts, including our own. Music City Drive-In, the podcast itself, which is about films, the Film Optics podcast. Uh, there's the, if you like American football, there's the Fantasy Football Roundtable. If you like music, there's the 50s of Music podcast. The best way to support the podcast is to give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.